Welcome to the We Don't Play podcast show, Audrey. Good morning, or is it afternoon? How are you today? I'm doing well, just trying to stay as relaxed as possible while I get as much work done as possible. I know. Like, think about it. The year is already moving so fast. We just had Happy New Year the other day, and we're like, oop. (laughs) I know. Tax season is creeping up on us very quickly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. But I'm happy you're here to spend some time with us and, you know, just talking about how freelancers can expand their reach on social media and there are different ways that I'm sure you'll be able to share that with us because a lot of people try to be a freelancer first and then be an entrepreneur and then be a business mm-hmm. owner so it's like it's like playing the hamster wheel so um i would love you to tell us more about how you got started and what you do so that people have an idea of where they're going sure mm-hmm. so i started just freelance photographer kind of work when i was right out of high school just getting jobs here and there you know some weddings families some of the non-exciting gigs. And I went to school, just sort of slowly built my skill set and my network. And a year and a half ago, two years ago almost, I moved to New York where I was able to really niche down and focus on what I wanted to do. But that took four or five years of doing work that I wasn't passionate about, whether it was real estate photography, corporate headshots, things like that. But the ways I got to where I am now is by focusing on my marketing all the way down to my LinkedIn header and going to in-person networking events. All these little minute things that we don't think about a lot, but over the years you learn those tips and tricks. So something I'd love to share with other people is these little skills that everyone needs that we all forget about because we're too busy, like you said, focusing on being an entrepreneur and just trying to be you know, head first into everything we do without focusing on the small little details because that's going to build your foundation for success. That is true. And, you know, one thing you mentioned as well is, you know, building up that momentum, you know, and mm-hmm. you've also talked about in a way like how freelancers should be asking themselves some questions like, who am I? What do I do? How do I do it? You know, who are my ideal clients or who is my ideal client? You know, people talk about the ICA, your ideal client avatar, and, you know, what problems can you solve for them? Now, when you ask all those questions, is there a way that you can help someone, like, demystify everything so they don't feel like they're overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those five questions are a great place to start because a lot of us do get overwhelmed with writing our bio mm-hmm. and knowing how to pitch ourselves to clients that we want to hire us yeah and if you just sit down and ask yourself those five questions who am i okay i'm a branding photographer what do i do i help brands elevate their visuals for marketing campaigns how do i do it with color and style bold in your face ideas and ideal client being b2b so agencies brands that need new marketing visuals and you know, I got to figure out how I get there. So if you just start with those questions and the problems you're going to solve for them, there you go. There's your pitch email. So if you just start with that and go, okay, that's who I am right now. So let me focus on X, Y, and Z, or maybe that bio shows them that they're doing what they don't want to do and they can find out how to niche down. So 
putting all of those other courses you can buy aside and classes and master classes and just being so overwhelmed with all this information from thousands of other freelancers on how they do things. Even me right now, telling people how they can uh, be a better freelancer. It's starting small. So focus on who you are and how you're going to talk to the people you want to talk to. And that'll get you so far in your career. That's a good one. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, now it got me thinking about the B2B space. You know, when you mentioned B2B and one of the places everyone thinks about going to is LinkedIn. Now, mm-hmm. how does someone use their LinkedIn in a good way whereby, you know, they are actually attracting clients? Because sometimes people say, okay, mm-hmm. I have a LinkedIn, but no one's seeing me. There's crickets. You know, how do they find me? You know, how do you start those relationships on LinkedIn to a point where you can even upgrade your LinkedIn if that is a need in the first place, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. I tell people all the time to not forget about LinkedIn because though it is a seemingly boring space, it is where all of the other professionals and companies are, and it can be a great resource for researching who you want to contact. Okay, I want to work for... I want Sephora to hire me. Well, I need to know who's the creative director of Sephora. I can use LinkedIn for that. And also your page is an extension of your website or your portfolio. So your header, a lot of people don't even change that or they just put it as a, you know, the default template. And someone should be able to go to your LinkedIn and without even scrolling know exactly what you do. So my header right at the top says I'm a creative director or sorry, creative photographer. And though I do creative directing on the side, I don't put that on my header because that's not the service I'm trying to sell up front. I have my website. A lot of people don't include their website in their bio on the link on their LinkedIn. They have all of these opportunities to market yourself that people just don't do. They put their profile picture, their bio, and they're done. But if people don't see you having an active profile, they're not going to reach out to you because they don't know if you're gonna respond. I've tried to connect with people on LinkedIn and they've never even posted anything. I'm not even gonna click connect because that's not a resource that's gonna benefit me. So making sure that I'm active, maybe even if it's just twice a month, put a post up, let people know that you exist and you're active and use it as a resource to kind of spy on the people you wanna connect with, do a little stalking. It's you know, light stalking is healthy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like how you put that with a grain of salt because it's very it's very hard to connect with someone that is available but they don't feel like they have the right words to say to even start the conversation. Because most mm-hmm. people go on LinkedIn and they're like, Oh, I'm about to do business with this person without having mm-hmm. to realize that this is a human to human relationship that you need to nurture first, you know? Yeah. And that- you, I'm sure we've all gotten those sponsored messages. It's an ad right to our LinkedIn inbox, which is somewhat annoying. And I'm actually never going to talk to those people. When someone does that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It just puts a bad taste in my mouth, I guess, that I'm being targeted so directly by people that don't even know me. Um, and I like to keep it organic. I only connect with people that I've actually met in real life or I have had a relationship with them online. Sometimes people hire me, I've never met them in real life, but I don't connect with people that just send me a message and go, hey, I like what you do. 
they can follow me or I'll follow people that I'm interested in, but really keeping it organic and not so salesy, I think is also important. Whew. This is about to be a masterclass because now it got me thinking. <laughs> it got me thinking, you know, there are two types of sets, you know, on LinkedIn. There's a follower and then there's a connect. Could you tell us a little bit about how to use those two sparingly? Sure. So LinkedIn is sort of the Facebook of the business world. So though you want to keep it professional, you do still need to be yourself and let people know who you are and who they're getting when they hire you. So if I have thousands of connections with all of these people I don't even know, it seems too in, it's not authentic. It's inauthentic. And for me, I want to show that, hey, I have 500 connections or so, uh, or, you know, or whatever that number is for somebody. Mm. And I can place all of those people. The people that are following me are going to be more fans. It's kind of the Instagram half of LinkedIn. So your connections are like those Facebook friends, if you want to say that. And your followers are the Instagram people who you don't know. You're not going to connect, you know, you're not going to talk to them all the time or even gain insight or jobs from them. So I want to keep my LinkedIn lean. I want people to connect with who I am and not just, hey, I I want to sell my photo editing services to you. I get that all the time. Hey, connect with me, connect with me. I could retouch your photos for you. I never even said I needed that service and I'm not going to be a Facebook friend with you. Why don't you just follow me on Instagram and, you know, be a fan. <laughs> so that's sort of how I see it. I like that. I like that you, you use Facebook and Instagram in a way that, you know, creates that notion that okay if i'm on this platform i need to act professionally if i'm on this platform i need to act creatively so it changes the paradigm shift now when it comes to like upgrading your linkedin is that a do you need to is 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 there any special apart from who viewed my profile <laughs> you know is there anything else that you'd benefit if you had a linkedin premium account I actually don't have the premium account. I know people who do. I know there's perks like being able to see who viewed your profile, which can be really useful for people. So if someone from an agency viewed my profile and I could see that, now I could go maybe like some of their posts, start interacting with them and engaging with them in a way that will build a relationship. So I know that can be really helpful. I personally don't pay for that service because I've found that the kind of clients that I go after, I'm not always getting a lot of work off of LinkedIn. So for my purposes, I don't need premium, but you can upgrade your profile without paying for it. Like I said, the header, having your bio really well written <clears throat> with those five questions, being active on it and keeping it exciting, make people want to look at your profile. And same as Instagram, nowadays the algorithm wants you to share educational information. And LinkedIn is a great way to share educational information for the people you want to hire you versus you know your friends. You want your connections to hire you, your fans per se. That's more of that kind of Instagram feel. But you can definitely upgrade your profile without paying for it, but I will not 
put down the paid, you know, paid package. Some people might need that. I personally don't have a ton of insight on it. Okay. Now it got me thinking about the hashtag part because you said something about Instagram and I know LinkedIn do hashtags well and I've always heard mm. brand your hashtag, have a branded hashtag across social profiles because mm. it helps. Now, what is the effect, cause and effect of mm. using hashtags in your niche to find clients that mm. are going to work with you? How do you, how do, you do that? Sure. So I use hashtags fairly sparingly on LinkedIn. Uh, I might just put, honestly, kind of put the ones they suggest. It might say, oh, creative or photography, and I just kind of keep it light, um, where on Instagram they want you to use, you know, 10 of them that are a little more niche down and directed at what you do. But when I've spoken to people about doing a kind of branded hashtag, something that is unique to you, it's not going to be as helpful because you want tags that people are following. So if I put hashtag Audrey Tappen, no one's following that. And it's only going to have, you know, my posts on that tag. So that's not as helpful. What I do suggest is check out what your competitors and your peers are using. So I might go look at a photographer and go, oh, they're using XYZ hashtag. I'm going to start using that because they've got 20,000 followers and that might have a better following. I don't know why this just went off. Sorry. It's okay. You don't do video, do you? No, I usually have... Okay, good. Yeah, so you're good. I don't know why that went off. No, it's okay. okay. No, you're fine. <laughs> Anyways, we'll cut that part out. Yeah, it's okay. So I'm thinking, huh, hashtags, people follow hashtags especially on LinkedIn. And like you said, if, if it's 20,000 hashtags or 20,000 followers following that hashtag, you'd rather follow two people that have 200 followers and 20,000 followers. Now, is there a big difference between those two as far as reach and conversion? Mm. So for reach and conversions, using hashtags, though they're helpful, the people I've spoken with that you know do copywriting or SEO, they highly recommend hashtags, but also at the end of the day, if your content's not engaging, it might get you to show up on some pages and explore page, but it doesn't save bad content. Mm. So that's something to think about. I, for, you know, I always use ha hashtags that I always use to be the product photography, fashion photography, but also I plug in things that people who like fashion would look up. You know, if I'm photographing a bag, it could be, you know, like I'm not photographing Fendi, but maybe Fendi bag or, you know, trending fashion, things like that, because I want to get in front of different audiences, not just people that want product photography. So okay. keeping it diverse, it will help your engagement. I believe you don't want to use too many hashtags though. I think between 10 and 20 is sort of the the goal right now, where it used to be, use 30, go crazy. But I think being sparing and just using what is relevant to you will be more helpful. Okay. So you're saying that it's, it's okay to use 10 hashtags on one post on LinkedIn and it's not going to like 
truncate your sight or take you to a point where you can be able to come back? No, I don't think so. And on okay. LinkedIn, personally, I don't, I don't think I've ever looked at hashtags. I've never clicked on one mm -hmm. when people use them. It sort of gives me a quick blip of what they might be talking about. Mm -hmm. So on LinkedIn, maybe we're looking at, you know, under 10, maybe five okay. hashtags for Instagram, you're going to have more, mm -hmm. but at the top of your profile, you can put what topics you talk about most. And those are actually hashtags. So at the top of mine, I think I have maybe three topics I prefer to talk about. And that would be like commercial photography, fashion mm -hmm. products, but on my posts, I might use different ones. So the topic goes, hey, here's my niche. But on mm -hmm. my posts, I'm going to put a couple tags that I know are relevant to my followers. Okay. Okay. That makes sense now. I like the fact that you are not just using hashtags because you have to find the hashtag. But, you know, when you think about research, how, how best does it work when you want to use a hashtag and you don't know how many hashtags as far as followers you know how like TikTok, you know just from what i hear you would have to use like a million um a million hashtag followers and then a hundred thousand and then ten thousand and then one thousand just so that it's not all one million each because that could really like spoil your reach so with with linkedin if you do the same thing you know twenty thousand followers 200 followers Two, you know, twenty, you know, two thousand followers, two hundred followers, two followers. How does that play a role into that kind of stretching? Sure, I see what you're asking now. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to use hashtags that are too saturated. So, okay. if one hashtag has a million followers, you're right; it's not going to get the reach you want. So, mm -hmm. I'd like to stay to under, you know maybe a hundred thousand followers just okay as out of a that's my general rule i guess maybe i just made that one up on my own <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you don't want it to be too few which is why using a very specific hashtag to yourself mm -hmm. or you know even making sure it was spelled right if you put nyc fashion and you mm -hmm. put one letter wrong it doesn't auto correct for you so that's another instance where you're like, oh, I'm gonna get it on this hashtag, and mm -hmm. you'll notice that one hashtag that's been mis misspelled has been done by hundreds of other people. Yeah. And so you might select it and be like, oh, that's the one I want, but now you're only getting in front of 200 people, and that's not gonna help. So yeah, keeping it above, you know, I would say 10,000 and below 100 is probably a smart move. That's a good one. I think that also helps people to yeah. have an idea of what to do and where to go when it comes to choosing the right things. So I appreciate that. That's a good one. I think somebody now has a better idea to know, okay, if I have five hashtags, where do I go? And I think one of them should be a branded hashtag. If really, you know, if you want to think about building out that connection as well. Right. And if Yeah, and I have clients who have huge followings, so them putting a hashtag with their own name mm -hmm. or brand makes a lot of sense for them. For me, uh, I have under 2,000 followers on Instagram because it's more of a portfolio okay. for me. It's not a place for me to get a lot of clients because I do B2B work, okay. <clears throat> but um, 
sorry, I just lost my train of thought. It's okay. Um, but yes, having a branded hashtag could definitely work for you if you have a specific niche where you're like, I'm gonna use this, I'm gonna grow. People are going to keep looking at me like yourself doing SEO type content. Yeah. That might be something that really works for someone in your demographic of work. Okay. That's a good one. I appreciate that. And by the way, I got to tell you, and I'm sure some people will check out your site too. The colors on your site are popping. Like, you know, it's that depth, you know, people want to see those things. And I would, I would just stare into it because I can see green and purple and yellow, black and white. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's really, really catchy. Yeah. When I saw your podcast, cover photo also i'm like i don't know who they are but i have to talk to them because <laughs> it was just fun and i got catching and that's how you gain an audience you need to be able to get their attention in three to five seconds so so true we're doing it pretty well yeah tag team thank you i appreciate yes, that you're welcome. <laughs> anytime anytime you know I, I wanted to even ask you what inspires you to choose the colors in your cre i know you say creative directing is on the side but when it comes to the photography and what the client wants, how much do you have control over the type of picture and the type of color that that brings out the best, you know, of your experience to them? Sure. Each project is different. Sometimes I get full reign and they say, here's our brand guidelines in terms of colors and I can do whatever I want. Other times they're a bit more strict and it just depends on their end goal for the project. But when I do get creative freedom, that is the most fun. I get to play with props and hire models and just sort of go crazy within their brand guidelines, which is why I tend to target fresh young brands that already have bright colors in their branding and on their packaging. So it's a really easy transition for me. I'm not having to work too hard to make the photos pop. But I also have clients who have a grayscale branding guideline where it's black, white, and gray, and it's all about making it visually appealing. So if I don't get to play with color, it really puts a lot more pressure on technique and my style without the color, which also can be a really fun challenge. That is nice really really nice and you know sometimes i think about it and i'm like have you ever gotten a point where clients or just people come to you and say hey i love your picture so much i just want to use it as a wallpaper or as a screensaver on my phone does that ever come across to you no i don't think uh anyone has ever expressed that to me but it does excite me when i see people share my work on Instagrams with reels, you can see when people shared it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's kind of an equivalent where I'm like, that's really exciting that people who didn't pay me for this like it enough to share it with other people. And maybe they are putting it as their, you know, phone screensaver. That'd be really exciting. But I like creating work that makes people happy to look at. It's like, oh, wow, that's, oh. No, that's an Audrey Tappan photo. Yeah. And yeah. now that you've even mentioned it like that, what and this is also for freelancers who may be in the photography space, you know, mm -hmm. how do you create your own style? Like mm -hmm. what kind of thing, would you have to buy a certain type of lens? Would you have to have a certain type mm -hmm. of angle? 
like what really defines you and how can someone define their own style? Sure, I think that's something that you just kind of have to figure out and that could be down to the gear you use, but also there's a, a saying that people say to artists like, oh wow, your camera takes really good photos. And they don't mean the artist doesn't have any skill, but they think, wow, you have a really nice brand new camera. It takes great photos. No, the photographer is the one behind it. So it doesn't matter if I'm shooting with a, you know, disposable point and shoot camera or my Canon. I feel like my photos and every artist, their style is going to come through. Personally, I prefer to use wide angle lenses and really bright colors. And then I also add graphic design to my photos after I've got them in the computer and all of that. So for me, that's what my style is. And I had to find that over years of practice. But when I look back at my old work from college and even when I was in high school, I'm like, oh, I see where that came from now. Like I was always using that color and I never realized it or that sort of framing. I just thought it was, whatever, I just tried it one day and now I get to do it full time for my job. So it's something you have to discover, but you're only gonna discover from experimentation. So you have to play around with different tools. As a graphic designer, are you using Adobe? Are you using Procreate on your iPad? So it's all about playing around, just finding what you like. And then when you have a passion for it, you're gonna excel. Amazing. Thank you so much, Audrey, for just letting us know about all the ways you can be able to expand your brand, use LinkedIn, especially for B2B listeners mm -hmm. thinking about going into that space and upgrading your profile without having to pay for it, but using your creativity as a time exchange. So I really appreciate you for that. You know, I'm sure people may want to know how they can connect with you, maybe even work with you. Um, I don't know if you take clients locally, nationally, globally, but what, what options do they have available so they can stay in contact with you? Sure. My website is AudreyTappen.com. You can find all of my links there, my email, my resume, creative deck, whatever it is you want to check out. And I work with people anywhere. If they'll buy my plane ticket, I'm there. So locally, nationally, internationally, uh, passport ready. But Absolutely, and I'm willing to work with all kinds of people from artists and musicians all the way up to large companies. So I'm, you know, I have a very broad portfolio and I'm not too too picky in terms of, I'm not too snobby with my clients, mm -hmm. I should say. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I definitely look forward to hearing more from you and also hearing feedback from the audience so they can enjoy all your amazing artwork and also work with you and bring their own you know ideas to life with your lenses so i appreciate that absolutely thank you so much for your time and i really appreciate the way you articulated all of your thoughts and being able to digest all of mine down into a few sentences so that was nice thank you yeah you're welcome anytime anytime <laughs> i appreciate you and until we meet again thank you for being here and i'll talk to you soon all right thank you you're welcome